You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is episode number five of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I am your loving, affectionate host, Pimp Cron. And tonight we have a lot to cover. Just James will join me in two of the segments where we want that or want that not over the new black coach for Age of Sigmar Night Haunt. And we are also going to discuss the Real Talk with the Pimp Crown segment about melee improvements in 8th edition, whether or not melee is worth it, is it more or less worth it than it was in previous editions, and we are also taken to task by a listener over a negative email that I read in last episode, and I will also have my rebuttal for all of their uh, comments, we'll say. This is not um, adversarial at all. This is a fan of the show and a fan of my blog, and uh, he's just airing his opinion, and that's exactly what the Tesseract mailbox is for. So if you have any reason at all to contact me, if you don't want to leave a voicemail on our phone number that is in the show notes, you can email me at pimpcron at gmail.com and we will possibly read it on the air if it's interesting. We will, of course, be talking about Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron at the end, talking about my um, game brutality and... We are also going to be covering a segment about, well, here's an idea, talking about do-it-yourself army transports. How can all of us poor schlubs that can't afford army transports make our own in order to protect our precious, precious models? So let's get the show on the road. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, 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 it is that time again. It is time for the Tesseract Mailbox, and this is the Pimpcron. Let's read what a reader has sent me via pimpcron at gmail.com. He writes, Hi, Pimp. I have been enjoying your podcast, and I am a longtime fan of your articles, so don't take this the wrong way. Uh-oh. I do not think that you should have aired that negative email that was so toxic and so offensive. These type of people do not need any airtime or any spotlight. These are the underbelly of our hobby and should not be given the time of day, especially being that they suggest you should kill yourself. Suicide is a serious thing, and even though you were not promoting it, you essentially aired cyberbullying. Anyway, those are my two cents. I enjoy your show, and please keep them coming. I appreciate that it is weekly instead of bi-weekly like most. My favorite segment is the, well, here's an idea one, Matthew H. Well, Matthew, uh, number one, thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. Well, what he's referring to, if you guys don't know, is that in episode four, I believe it was, I aired a negative email that was pretty um, abrasive about me, and uh, this is, I mean, I don't get these comments that often, but they do happen, and this person is basically saying that I should not have aired that because it's so negative and so toxic, and, you know, I actually thought of that after the episode aired. I was wondering if uh, maybe I shouldn't have aired that, maybe it was too negative, maybe it doesn't match the theme of the show, that sort of thing, Um, and that's, that's possible. I'm not, I can't argue that point, Matthew. But I would say that while you could say I aired cyberbullying, I also aired my reaction to the cyberbullying. And if somebody is going to sit there and listen and take that the wrong way, um, then they can also sit and listen to my reaction to it, which is what I feel a pretty healthy reaction to it. And my reaction to this negativity and this rudeness and this person saying I should kill myself, which, of course, I don't think they're being serious. That's a phrase that people use a lot. And I'm not making excuses for this person. And, of course, you should never say that to anybody because you don't know if they are, you know, how close they are to suicide. So 
clearly you shouldn't say it. Clearly it's not the right thing to say to somebody. But I also aired the fact that I really don't care what people say and that I think it's pretty healthy that you look somebody in the eye when they write these things and you go, okay, you're entitled to your opinion and that's great. Fortunately, I don't have to care what you think. So I don't doubt that whatever he wrote or he or she wrote, I forget the name of it. Who, oh, it was Go to Hell. Um, <laughs> they said, um, sincerely go to hell or something like that. So the name was Go to Hell. And um, I got sidetracked by that stupid name. Uh, anyway, so that person, I believe that they mean what they were saying. They were very angry, and they think that my name is stupid, and they think I'm a bad writer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's cool. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually showing people that it's perfectly fine to take criticism. You can have someone that's being rude. You can have someone that's literally telling you to kill yourself. And you let it slide off your back, and you go, okay, well, that's your opinion. That's cool. I really don't care what you're saying. And you walk away or continue on with your life. Now, admittedly, that probably was the wrong move on my part to air such a negative and rude email. Um, I thought it was kind of funny, and that's what I wanted other people to take uh, take away from it. Um, if it was a downer to the show or, you know, it hurt someone's feelings or whatever, I really can't help that. Um, and honestly, I won't be airing, uh, like, so far out of all the fan mail, that's my only negative email I've gotten. So, you know. Uh, and the vast majority of the comments on my articles are usually neutral to positive. They're, you know, I'll get like one per week that's actually negative. Um, and by the way, don't just write me negative emails for no reason, so hoping that I'm going to air these online. Uh, I get a couple people like that that um, on my com on my articles that you know seem like they're attention seeking and they want to get my attention and they want me to reply and all that. And I never argue with these people. This is another lesson for you all. Somebody says, you're a terrible writer, you're, you're an idiot. And I go, yep, can't disagree with that. Now, what has that person get, got to work off of now? If I said, oh, up yours, buddy, uh, yeah, huh, like, like it actually hurt me, then, then they've got fuel to go on. This is the same way I deal with my customers at work. The customers at work, they can be as rude as they'd like, and if you don't argue back, they run out of fuel. There's nothing for them to say. Um... So as long as you're, you know, you stay positive and hopefully, you know, if anybody, if you ever run into somebody like this, they, you do have the emotional strength or the family support or whatever to not let them bother you too much. I think I've rambled about this long enough, but I do appreciate the email, Matthew, and I hope that any of you please air your grievances or your praise or whatever with me, but I will not make it a point to air every single negative email I get because um, well this is the only first one but I, I'm supposing that we will probably have more in the future as I push buttons so uh, from now on if I get an email I am only going to share it if it's interesting in some way to me if it's like incredibly creatively negative then sure I'll air that, air that. Uh, I just thought it was funny that this person was kind of losing his shit over some article. He didn't even mention the article. I guess this is just me in general, but that's fine. He's entitled to his opinion, and I'm happy to laugh at it. Want that or want that not? And now it is time for Want That or Want That Not. This is the People's Pimp Cron, and today I'm joined by Just James. It's Just James. Just James. Nobody else. If you think anybody else is in this room, then you are sorely mistaken. It's just James. Just oh, and James. me. I'm here. So, just James. Today we'll be covering... Today we be covering... We be covering... The Black Coach. The new Black Coach for Age of Sigmar. Yeah, the new Black Coach. Uh, they uh, It looks pretty cool, uh, especially compared to the older one. Okay, you can't really hate on the old one, though. I mean, the old one's pretty awesome. Look at that. Like yeah, those horses this... are kind of smiling. <laughs> the static pose. <laughs> the static pose. The, uh, the, um, what's it, the, uh, wraith on it has scoliosis. <laughs> He's got a horrible hump. 
Um, I've, you know, I've been curious though, were they still selling this in metal? Because I don't ever remember seeing it go to resin. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it. The one that I have, which is quite old, that I bought secondhand, was um, actually metal. Metal and plastic. So I don't know if this was still metal all these years. Because that would be like one of the last things they actually sold that was still metal. Yeah, besides Sisters of Battle. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, also, you know, all the different regiments for Imperial Guard, they still sell, too. Like, Cadian, uh, not Cadians, um, Mordians and all them. So I guess that's not the only ones. So, looking at the old one first, what strikes you about the old black coach? Uh, it's kind of basic looking, really. It's, it's not as dynamic it certainly is not as dynamic. Yeah. It's like he's parked out in front of a 7-Eleven. That's what he looks like. <laughs> he just got his slurpee, and he is just having a ball. Like, he is literally parked. There's no movement here. No. Now, I'm not really hating on this model, because it has a special place in my heart, and I own one. So, you know, I, I still like it. But it definitely has that 1990s feel, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. So... Really, there's. No, I mean, we're pretty much at the end of what we can say about this old model. There's, yep. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing else to say about it. Yep. I'm ready to move on to the new one. All right, let's move on to the new one. Um. So, what strikes you first about the new one? Uh, a lot of movement. You know, the the horses, the steeds are flying up in the air. The coach itself is hovering uh, above the ground. Uh, there's, you know, the ghosts are flying over top of it. it uh, it just looks really cool. I I completely agree. And I'm very happy to see that those horses have found steroids. Because <laughs> look at them. They're all Seabiscuit. Every one of them is Seabiscuit. Yep. They're beautiful. Yeah. Cool. I mean, although, once again, I'm, I find it kind of weird. They keep doing this with the new Night Haunt stuff. The horses have a bone head, and that's it. Like, of course, there's some ribs showing, but, I mean, it's pretty much a fleshy horse. It's just missing its face. Uh, yeah, the, it's, yeah, they're completely skinless on the face. I mean, if they had some skin, like the body does, yes. uh, then it wouldn't be so off-putting. Kind of like when Spider-Man tears his mask in the movies. You yeah. know, it's like one eye showing. Yeah, and... you know, Hulk Hogan's that stuff. <laughs> well, now that they're on uh, roids... I definitely think they could they could do that, and all they they refer to the wraith as brother all the time. <laughs> Let's go, brother! Whip me, brother! <laughs> Can I have some oats, brother? <laughs> so I think the only requirement if you do buy this model is that one of them has to be Hulk Hogan, one has to be Macho Man Randy Savage, and yep. the list goes on. Andre the Giant, all those. Of course, the uh, the the guy the the. Car- Wraith? Karn Wraith? Karen Wraith? No uh, one knows how to he, pronounce that. He definitely has to be the Undertaker. Oh my god, he does. One of the ghosts is Paul Bearer, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. So, all in all, though, jokes aside, it's a pretty neat looking model. I'm not certain about the steroid horses, though. They're, they're fine to me. I mean, the, the besides the head, head could use some skin. But of course, you know, green, green stuff... Uh, on the head, you know, just a little bit to put some flesh on it if it really bothers you that much. Uh, it does. It does. Uh, wouldn't help, uh, you know, make it look better. Uh, I think you're right about the motion, though. It's got a lot of action happening on this model. Yeah. And is it just me, or is this wheel, this back wheel, bent kind of up, and this front one bent kind of down? Like, kind of like it's rickety, like it's, f- like, flying, you know, like, in a picture of a car or whatever, and it's like speeding down the road and it hits a bump. Like one tire is kind of yeah. turned and the other one. Yeah. It, it looks, it has. I mean, it looks like there's a stone in the middle there. So maybe it did on its way up. It just bumped into the stone. Yeah. They've, they've done a really good, the horses are the only thing that bothers me. But other than that, like the, the ghosts look awesome. The wraith looks awesome. The carts, everything. I mean, the horses look cool. They're just not ghostly enough. Like every one of their legs is covered in flesh. There's none of them that aren't fleshy. And yeah. That bothers me. Uh, but, and what are these unicorns? The the f- two front ones? They, <laughs> they're like the dog from the Grinch. Like oh, uh, yeah. They, they tied a horn to the front <laughs> of its head. So, all in all, 
Do you want that or want that not, Just James? I definitely want that. I would have to say that I want that too. But I'm going to go take those gimpy <laughs> horses <laughs> off the old one <laughs> and put them on the new one and throw away these dumb horses because it's <laughs> stupid. No, honestly, the, I do want that. The only good thing I, I would, get, would say about the old one is that it's easy to store. Oh, for sure. To transport. Absolutely. You know, I didn't even think about that. But that is something they keep doing with these new models is they look awesome and they're really dynamically posed. But shit, like like Battle Foam is just crap in their pants trying to figure out how to like, how do you even store this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That old one, because like I said, I have the old one. I probably won't buy the new one unless they're just crazy good because the black coach in the past has always been pretty crappy. Like, it's, it's real random. Oh, if you do this, you get a little better. And, and all the stuff was dumb. And I remember um, several of the things on that chart, as it gets better, it gains flight and it gains extra inches. And, eh, it was just real lame. And it was all very circumstantial. And it didn't have the, uh, the ethereal uh, rule, right? Oh, it did not. And you know what? It might now. Maybe. It's got a bunch of ghosts on it. And look, isn't that ghostly? Yeah. Yep. That yeah. See, I'm ghostly not Ghostly smoke. Have they released the rules for this yet? I don't know. It might be in the uh, Night Haunt book that they just came out with. Yeah, I was a sucker and bought the Legions of Nagash book, which I'm looking at. And what, like, two hours later, they released the Night Haunt <laughs> book. So I haven't. Uh, I'm. That's my fault for not knowing the rules for this. But I definitely do want this, though I probably won't buy it. I already have the old one and. Nah. I will buy it. That I do want that. I want that, but won't buy that. So now it's want that or want that not or will buy it. And I want that, but am not going to buy it. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to whether or not we want some piece of shit GW's peddling. <laughs> now, here's an idea. Welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of, well, here's an idea, with the Pimpcron. Tonight I'd like to discuss do-it-yourself army transports and how you can make the most out of that. Um, I have always struggled with this idea, and I really feel like, you know, um, the army transport, Sable, or um, uh, army case, caramel multi-case, or any of those things, um, crystal cast, all those... I think they do a great job, and but I've always felt like you know just cut out foam is, um, I, I mean it works that it works for sure, but you know sometimes uh, GW is coming out with more and more dynamic models. You know it worked really great for the old Space Marines from the starter sets that were literally hugging their storm uh, their bolt gun like a teddy bear. You know like Linus from Charlie Brown. And they were very compact, and, you know, that's all well and good. They would fit perfectly in those little squares, those little rectangles and foam, and they didn't really get crushed or anything. But let's play, let's say you're playing Harlequins, or Gene Stealer Cult, or anything that is, you know, um, more fantastically posed. Well, it gets real hard real quick to fit them in these army cases. And I'm not bashing these army cases. I own a crap ton of the different brands of army cases. Um, Sable being my favorite, the army transport, but I have the others as well. And I have always thought that there is one perfect way to make an army transport, but I've never had the answer. I just feel like there is a perfect way. So in the pursuit of the perfect army transport design, I have done many, many things, terrible, terrible things. I'll never repeat to my children. Just kidding. No, actually, yeah, just kidding. So one of the things that I wanted to mention is the tried and true bubble wrap layers in a Tupperware container. Now you can buy, you can go to Michael's, you can go to Home Depot. There's a million different places for $1, one American greenback. And you can buy like, let's say it's a six inch by 12 inch kind of shoebox looking thing but they are just one dollar and you basically put down a layer of bubble wrap which is also extremely cheap and you lay down your models on their back you know maybe two rows of them long and then you put another layer down 
of bubble wrap and then you put another layer of people down and another lap you know it's, it's make a make a model and bubble wrap lasagna is basically what you're making and that actually works pretty well i have a couple of my armies that are like that like um my knobs for orcs they like a lot of the issues i used to have with the starter set models like the knobs and the orc boys is that they have one arm that's sticking straight up holding like a choppa or a slugger or whatever and that's all well and good. But then, perpendicular to that, at a 90-degree angle, they have their other arm sticking straight out. And that is just terrible for storage. So what I ended up doing with all of my knobs, I own 40 knobs painted, and um, because I've always liked knobs. And uh, anyway, so what I've ended up doing is using the lasagna method. And uh, it works pretty well. I mean, they've, they've lasted for years and years. The only issue being is that if you want to get to the ones below, then obviously you have to lift the ones above. But if they're all the same unit, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, the next thing that I had this, this brainstorm one time, and I was like, man, I'm going to design this. It's going to be awesome. And it did work out pretty well, um, as long as you don't base your models, which many of you will. So basically, I can um, throw up a picture or something in the show notes. And my idea was to make channels out of um, foam board. And basically, these channels would be wide enough to fit them, slide the model down this channel. You know, the, the gap would be. But it would have like an overhang of foam board. And the whole thing's made of foam board. And um, the overhang would hang over the base, keeping it in place. And I did that for a while, and it really was not bad. If you could have um, made some sort of structure, you could have done more than one layer of it. But I had a ton of um, Chosen for my Chaos, and they were dynamically posed. And I, uh, it, it worked out pretty well until I wanted to start basing them, of course. So as long as you don't base your models, you can do this. And um, I've made some rudimentary uh, design pictures of it. And it did work out pretty well. But still not perfect. And, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Um, something else that I've been, um, I've seen online is people will take foam. They'll buy foam from some store or furniture store or whatever. And they will, uh, I believe the method was taking a hole saw, which is like a cup with teeth that you, you know, cut holes and things with a, um, uh, with a cordless drill and they would cut holes in the foam that were round and maybe let's say an inch and a half wide and they would just plop their models down like that and that's not a bad idea um, if you can buy the foam and all of that um, you may end up having to put it in reverse um, I think that's probably what they did either that or they literally ground off the teeth and made it like a round blade I don't recall exactly what they did you'll have to look that up Boy, I'm helpful. Another thing that you can do is if you buy acoustic foam, like I use in my little studio here, the acoustic foam is about an inch or so thick, and it's, it actually has the same exact consistency of like the battle foams or the um, say ball cases, the, the foam trays. And it already has grooves like um, a bunch of triangles in a row. And the triangles go the full length of it. So if you were to lay that down, you could actually put quite a few models, you know, head to foot, head to foot, head to foot in these channels. And that actually would not work badly at all. Um, if they are dynamic models, it may not work as well. But um, that seems to work pretty well. And uh, that is pretty much it. Um, one thing that I've seen that I liked and that I've done before is that... A paper towel holder, like uh, the you know cardboard core of a paper towel roll, um, is the perfect size for Terminator bases. And I used to keep all of my scarabs. I own like 30 painted Necron scarabs because I just love scarabs. And they would stack. This was many years ago. Now I have them in proper foam. But they would, um, if you took off the top, if you made uh, top and bottom for it, you could take off the top and place your scarabs down there or stack them up on the table and, and then turn the uh, tube over and slide them all in there like a sleeve of Pringles. 
And of course you run the risk of scratching your stuff, but it actually worked pretty perfectly. And I discovered that those bases are the perfect size for paper towel roll. Other than that, your only other options are buy a case, or of course you could be like just James and literally just throw all that shit in a Tupperware container with no foam at all, which if he's listening to this, you know, I just called you out, bruh. So that will wrap up my brainstorming session for ways to transport your models. If you happen to have any other suggestions of things that you've done or that work well for you, please write me at uh, pimpcron at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail and all of that information, the email and the phone number will be in the show notes below. Thank you for listening. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Whoa, what time is it? You know what time it is, Just James? No, what time is it? It's time for the main topic. Oh, snap. Let's have some real talk with the Pimp Crown. All right. And his bestest friend in the whole wide materium. Who's that? Anybody but you. (laughs) 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 And and Just James. So today we wanted to talk. Sorry, I, I got myself on that one. Um, so today we wanted to talk about how everybody bitches and moans about how melee is so inferior to shooting. But just James and the Pimpcron have been around the block, block a couple times, and we know what it used to be like. Pepperidge Farms remembers what melee used to be like. And all you kids nowadays, you know, you told me not to devolve into old hammer talking, and here I am. <laughs> You're back in our day. Um, so I, you know, you've always heard this, um, issue that in some editions of 40k, melee was king and you could roll over into other combats and do all this and just wipe people and, and whatnot. Then you hear about other, you know, leaf blower armies from, I guess, third or fourth edition where, you know, the guardsmen that with the tanks, they would Uh just pie plate everything off the table. Yeah. And, you know... 5th, 6th, and 7th edition were all pretty shooty as well. I mean, they they tried to change it back to some melee-oriented stuff. Yes. But it was mostly still shooting. Now, what's your opinion of how melee in this edition stacks up to what it used to be? Uh, In this edition, uh, melee has gotten uh, a bit better uh, than the previous editions because, uh, you know, you're not... You're not really tied down to the combat uh, because you have, in your next movement phase, you could retreat. I mean, most units, you won't be able to do anything afterwards. But Mm -hmm. if you have most of the melee-centric units, as far as I can recall, have at least a fallback and charge uh, or they have some kind of stratagem that will allow them to fall back and charge. Or if they can't fall back and charge they can attack again uh if they're berserkers they got they have that naturally or they would have a three command point stratagem mm-hmm. to attack again whereas last edition you got your you know your your charge in and you got your attacks and then after you're done resolving your attacks you can't retreat unless you the only way you can retreat is if you fail your leadership and then you move 2d6 back, and you got to... Uh, Remember they tried to sweep you? Yeah, your opponent could try to sweep you. And God help you if they caught you, because your whole unit was wiped out. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the the morale phase is better this edition, too. How many times, just sorry to interrupt, how many times did you have like one dude chase down and kill like 15 guys? (laughs) (laughs) Like, cause they they just claimed that, you know, the one unit broke and if the other one like beat your role or whatever, he caught up to you and just murdered you. Yeah. It's some Eldar guy, just one Eldar guy with a high initiative destroying space Marine. Well, space Marines couldn't be swept, but you know, other non uh, space Marine uh, units, where there's like 10 of them or something, like fire warriors. I mean, they're not really good in close combat, but still there's 10 to one Eldar. 
one thing about eighth edition that I like, and you brought up a good point about the uh, battle shock phase or the or the uh, morale phase. Morale phase is that this is a lot better balanced this edition than the previous because in the past you either broke or you didn't, and everybody was either fleeing or they weren't. And I really like this. You know, I always say when in game design you want a plus one minus one, not a plus ten minus ten when you're tweaking stuff. So this is, you know, you might lose a couple models, but you're not losing the entire unit. Right. Which makes melee a lot more forgiving for those melee units. Yeah. So. Also, it's a lot easier because uh, for s- some people, like me, with the 25% or the below 25% and you need double ones or something like that, and you can't do quick math, you got to pull out your little calculator or something, you know, uh you know, this edition now it's just you know you roll your d6 and you add how many models are slain and then you figure out how many are running away because of the, that yep but no more is a whole unit being just swept because they failed a morale test like that's right so that's that is one huge boon for melee yes also the striking twice either via stratagems or whatever you know that is another huge deal because those melee people you know if you have a ranged unit and you have a melee unit that ranged unit gets to shoot every single turn yes and the melee unit still hasn't even done anything until they get into close combat like when i was playing uh my corn and slanesh unit against your imperial guard and space marines i only had i mean i had one or two psychers that could do something a little something in the psychic phase Here comes the wine fest uh-huh Keep going. And in the shooting phase, I had I had two soul grinders, which didn't do jack. Uh, no, they didn't. So I pretty much had just one phase of it uh, doing damage to you, whereas mm-hmm. you had two. I don't know if you had any psychers. We didn't, but we could have. You could have had three phases of doing damage. That is the truth. Now, of course, you're better in close combat than us, but gee, demons a lot, specifically demons, have a lot of you know tough three and stuff too, yeah. which does not help. Um, but so all in all, I think the melee has gotten a lot better. What other things can you say that um, melee has improved in this edition compared to previous ones? Uh, there's the initiative. Oh, yes. Uh, so last edition for anybody that's not played, uh, the previous editions, uh, there was an initiative order starting from 10 going down to zero. Uh, and for each, uh, unit that had, that had a higher number, they would attack first mm-hmm. and then it would go down the line, uh, between the different units, uh, attacking each other. Uh, now in this edition, nobody has initiative. It's just whoever charges first or whoever has that special rule that like Slanesh. Yes. Who, if you are charged or you charge them, you would strike first Unless you had that same rule, then you would both alternate back and forth. Dude, I don't know. I do kind of miss initiative. Now, I know it screwed some armies like Orcs and, and uh, Necrons with the initiative two. But uh, were Tau initiative two? The two or three. Yeah, they weren't great. But um, but I do, I do think it's a, little, a bit more narrative. That yeah. All of your Eldar stuff would be initiative higher. They would strike first regardless. Yes. I, I did like that. But this is much simpler. Much much simpler. Oh uh, yeah. So you know whatever you, it's that old that old thing where they go oh the balance between realism or fun, like sure we could have you know all kinds of charts for like oh shit you sprained this ankle on this one dude or yeah. you know what I mean like so them getting rid of initiative was a huge deal especially for some armies like orcs, uh-huh. holy crap yeah like a melee centric army that no longer suffers from initiative two. Yep. I mean, for crying out loud, guardsmen used to strike before an orc did in close combat. And now you've got orcs with pretty much the same number of attacks as they ever did. And they were initiative two. But they, so they always struck last. The only thing they would strike before was like a power fist. Power fists would make you initiative one or whatever. Yes. But so that is a huge deal for orcs and Necrons now. You know, I think Necrons are kind of the, and this might sound self-serving coming from the Pemcron, but <laughs> Necrons always suffered from that initiative too. Now, of course, you didn't, generally speaking, you didn't want them in close combat unless they were flayed ones or whatnot. And for years, they sucked. But the point is, 
is that now Necrons hit on a 3-up, three 3-up three weapon skill, and their strength 4 and toughness 4, uh-huh. and they have decent saves, and they have their will be back. They're like way sturdy for melee combat. And now that they don't suffer from the initiative, I mean, Necron Warriors can actually do something. Yeah. That's, that is a huge, huge deal. I think probably, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but the initiative thing is the biggest change in 8th edition of Melee. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, in this edition, you have your pile in. It, it works different from last edition. In this edition, you have to be the guy. Your front guy has to be at least within an inch of the of the enemy, and then the guys behind him have to be within an inch of him. Mm-hmm. Whereas the previous edition, the your f- guy that charged in first has to has to make it in base contact, and then guys within two inches of him. Uh, can attack as well. Well, at first that sounds like 8th edition is actually a penalty to melee. Uh-huh. But if you do the math, so it used to have to be within base contact, the first guy. Right. And then anybody two inches within him, but now the first guy only has to be within an inch and then one inch from him. Yeah. So... That probably works out to be roughly the same. If you if you like staggered models, you uh-huh. might be able to get like two, let's say, in base contact, and then in the because they're round bases, like in the 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 cleavage of those two bases, uh-huh. is, you could fit that other base within an inch, and yeah. then you could measure an inch off of him, so he's like barely that second row of people if you stagger them like that, would be barely within an inch. And then you could get an inch off of them. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's roughly the same. Do you think so? Uh, a different way of doing it. I'm just trying to think of, like, if you had a th- uh, 30 orc boys, uh, uh, how many you would be able to get in uh, besides... In this edition, as opposed to last edition, I'm sure somebody has done that math. Because I, I guess people tend to do it. Remember when the um, Trigon would bring up another unit in Eighth Edition, when that first came out, people were doing all these diagrams of how many like Gene Stealers you could get within the two or three inches around his base. Oh uh, yeah, and like people were drawing diagrams, and there was like algorithms and like some <laughs> beautiful mind kind of bullshit going on. <laughs> So, um, I'm sure someone's figured that out, but, um, uh, you know, you just brought something up and then I lost it. Oh, while you were talking, think about this, just James, what about power fists and things, power claws specifically, like a bunch of knobs, a unit of knobs with power claws. They used to be initiative one. Yeah. So any of your vehicles generally would ignore Like, you know, your killer cans, or your dreadnoughts would have power fists as well. But being vehicles, they would ignore that initiative penalty. Right. So, like, knobs with power claws versus a dreadnought or something is way, way better now. Yes. Because that dreadnought would just be pounding people into paste, and meanwhile, you're just kind of hanging out, waiting to... Plus... At the initiative one, they'll be waiting to get smacked in the face. But now, if you think about that, like, your your, um, tax sergeant or whoever with the power fist now... I mean, they get the minus one to hit, and yeah. I think that's a fair trade. Yeah. But, like, now they're just, like, turn one, pow, right in your face, and you don't necessarily have the recourse if they charged, I'm assuming. Just right. whatever. But that's a, that's another huge, huge deal. So those weapons are way less punishing now than they used to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's actually another really interesting thing, because um, um, now, you know, here's another balancing thing. What about like things like Dreadnoughts getting way more attacks than they used to? Demon Princes, Dreadnoughts, a lot of these things that were quote-unquote melee units, or, you know, capable in melee, not not really designed for melee necessarily. Do you remember they used to get like three attacks, four attacks? Yeah, uh, I think Dreadnoughts... Were two? Were two, because <laughs> then people, once when they added more attacks to them, you know, people started busting nuts. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> started busting. <laughs> what did they make them? Four attacks in seventh edition. Yeah, four attacks, and everyone just flipped their lid. Yep. Um, but you know, it's true though, and even like the characters, the characters would get like a max of four attacks. Now, or three attacks maybe. You know, like a chapter master. Oh, I got three attacks. Like 
these single model units like Dreadnoughts and Demon Princes and whatnot and Carnifexes, they used to just get like a handful of attacks and then by the time you rolled a hit and rolled a wound, etc., etc., you're killing like two people. Yeah. And now Dreadnoughts have what, four or five attacks, something like that? Uh, four attacks. Demon Prince has what, five? Something like that. Uh, Demon Prince has uh, six if they're born. And then also if they take the Malefic Talon, so if they take two of them, they'll t- get seven. And then Corn gives them an extra attack, right? Yes. Demon Prince of Corn. So plus one strength, plus one attack. Yeah. So that's so I like that idea because how many times did it seem just like your Demon Prince is surrounded by cultists or guardsmen or whatever, and he's just like, eh, and he kills yeah. two people. Yes. I mean, meanwhile, you've got all these not as good attacks, clearly, hit, not hitting as well, not wounded as well, but you have 30 attacks versus this one, one dude. I really feel like those single model units have gotten a lot better than they used to be, mm-hmm. just by the sheer number of attacks. So um, There was a time uh, back in last edition where I had a bunch of cultists, uh, 20, 25 cultists, attacking a Stone Crusher Carnifex. Mm-hmm. And we almost killed it, but then he did enough damage to us that we uh, failed our morale, f- f- or our leadership, I should say, and he swept us off the board. <laughs> but nice. he was uh, like, he was barely doing uh, uh, the amount of attacks or uh, enough damage, but he did enough that we ended up failing him our, our leadership. But uh, yeah, we were still going chewing them down with our massive amount of attacks. So basically in 6th and 7th edition, it was basically uh, flash mobs of of like, I don't know, Black Friday shoppers. <laughs> like, yes. Like, that Carnifex had gotten the last Tickle Me Elmo, and all these moms, <laughs> these cultist moms, just run out there and beat the shit out of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, I got it fair and square! Trying to knock them off, trying to make it to the cashier. Like, that's it's pretty interesting. Now, of course, it still kind of happens, but at least they've tried to balance it with the Carnifex getting more attacks and, yeah. you know, things like that. But that's interesting. They just team up on one big thing, and you could pretty much take anything down. I've always made that crazy argument about, like, well, with enough grots, <laughs> I can take anything down. But, you know, another thing, what about this? Another huge deal with the melee now is that anything can wound anything. Yeah, because I've taken... Now, with a couple of blaster shots, okay... Uh, I took 17 witches from Dark Eldar, Drukari, whatever, uh, and I took down the Lord Castellan Knight, whatever that's called, the uh-huh. Knight, Knight Castellan. I took that thing down, and I am I still talk about it, you know. I'll probably <laughs> keep talking about it. Okay, some blaster shots, whatever. It'll be on your headstone in the yes. graveyard. <laughs> my hey, witches. remember that time? My witches took down... Castellan Knight. Now that's obviously in this edition. Yeah, in eighth edition. Yeah, because yes. Castellan Knight didn't exist back then. I don't C- correct. There were Imperial Knights, yeah. and witches wouldn't be able to do anything to the. I think they might have. No, I. I think they might have been able to do something. Something that made them strength four. Uh, uh furious charge where they got plus one strength. It's making strength four. She went on fives. Well, yes. Uh, last edition, uh, but in this edition, it's still wounding on fives. Yes, uh, but if it's if I didn't take that one, uh, witch cult, which gave me a strength, uh, strength four, I've been wounding on fives. But if I didn't take that cabal, I'd be strength three. I'd be wounding wounding on sixes, but I'd still be able to wound them. Yeah, unlike the armor facings that we used to have, where it was the strength of whatever the weapon was, or the strength of the user, and then plus a d six trying to meet or beat the armor value. Yes. So those witches never, ever would have been able to hurt that knight. Ever. Uh, yeah, I also have to go back. Um, I was still winning on sixes because they're toughness eight to my strength four. But st- still having the chance to wound. Yeah, just having the chance to wound with it. Were they two attacks base, witches? Uh, two attacks base, but then their weapon gives them an extra attack. Yeah, three attacks. I mean, hitting on threes, I'm certain. Maybe twos, depending on what Twos, turn. depending on what turn yeah and then i had the succubus rerolling ones nice so they just they just gang raped basically uh castle and knight yes with some blaster shots but we, well, whatever we don't talk about that yeah no. No. we don't mention blaster shots 
So all in all, what is your verdict? We've heard for years that shooting is king, shooting wins the game, yada yada. Do you think that still holds up, or do you at least think it's going in the right direction of balancing melee and, and shooting? I think it is going towards the the middle. I think it's closer to the middle than it was in previous editions. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really do. Um, I definitely, I think you'll probably agree that shooting still kind of wins the day. Oh, yeah. But it's more of like a 60-40 kind of thing, yes. not an 80-20. Like, I think it's... I think it's much more balanced and that has made a lot of the armies much more viable, you know, like demons. I mean, now the demon codex has some of its own issues because of their balancing of it, but they're pretty much a melee centric army and they will be benefiting from all these different issues, you know, or different benefits. Yeah. They're benefiting from all the benefits of the beneficial benefit. They're the beneficiaries of the benefits of the, Hello everybody, this is the Pimp Cron. I'd like to interrupt my show real quick to talk to you about a very serious subject. If you enjoy this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would go on Patreon.com and become a Pimp Cronian. You see, my life is in shambles. My goldfish has a broken neck and is in a wheelchair. My house is currently on fire. My windows leak, even when it's not raining. I have not had a solid meal in three full weeks, and I haven't had a solid stool in three months. I cry blood, and my hamster is still illiterate. But all of that could change for me if you would just support this show on Patreon. Every dollar that you donate will go directly to my hamster's literacy fund. We will teach Nibbles to read. Let's get brutal. Well, here we are again on our own, going down the only road we've ever known, you know, like a drifter. I was I was born to walk alone, but I digress. I am the Pimpcron, and this is Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron. Each week in this segment, this very short segment of the show, we cover... Um, part of the lore behind my free rules, use your own models, RPG light skirmish war game that I have de- I have developed called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And this week we are continuing to talk about the major players and major factions in the Ether Realm. Um, you're going to have to go back to the past episodes to hear all of that information because I'm not going to recap it each week. So we covered the Callgite Matrix with the androids last time. And now we are going to dive right in with the Oathsworn. So, if there was any type of police force in this land, it would definitely be the Oathsworn. They may be really the only true good people. Well, let's let's find out a little more about them. So, this group is the only law enforcement entity in the entire realm. And they only live by a simple rule. Harming first is illegal. So they fully embrace the idea of retaliation, and their slogan means that whoever strikes first is wrong. With no patience for dealing with trivial matters such as theft or crooked dealings, this group draws the line at torture, rape, and slaving. Um, They're forever short on manpower and outgunned, but this may be the toughest set of fighters to have ever shed blood in the lands of the Ishtar. Um, As deadly as they are just, most people try to just keep their distance from this group. So they are, think about the most badass people that you can possibly think of from any realm who is all about truth, justice, and the American way? I don't know. But the point being is that um, you could definitely picture, like, who are some people you could picture in the, in the Oaths Warn? Um, Captain America strikes me as somebody that if he were sucked in this realm, he would probably be an Oaths Warn. He'd want to uphold the law. Um, I don't know about Judge Dredd. I don't know about him. He's I'm on the fence about him because he's pretty dark. But um, you know maybe even Superman. I mean that's a bit of a stretch because um, I don't know what he'd do if he was in here. But you get the point. People that really want to make things right. And it's funny to me that there's so much bloodshed and there's so much theft and so much everything that it's basically like this police force has said, okay, look, we don't have the manpower and we don't have enough time in the day 
to run around and try to... I mean, there's no such thing as jails here. So we don't have time to chase everybody down constantly for every little teeny transgression. So let's let's make three rules. No torture, no rape, and no slaving. How about that? And being that they're outgunned, the only way that they really survive is by being totally badass. So every one of the Oath Sworn is basically Chuck Norris. Just, just think of it like that. Um... The next group is the Grand Order Zenith. So this lofty and condescending people share a common ability, the incredible power of flight. And um, they're possibly the most civilized of all factions, uh, but they have an utter disgust for lesser beings that can't fly. They live high up in their floating city in the clouds they call Zenith. And uh, though they are incredibly rigorous in their testing for prospective members... Um, you know, to pass in order to get entrance into Zenith, they don't care how you fly, only that you can fly. So a great many wizards, high-tech suits of armor, and leathery or feathery-winged people live in this most pretentious of exclusive societies. This group even discourages touching your feet on the ground, because that's considered beneath them. They don't really have any allies, because they consider everybody to be beneath them, and their colors are generally white, with brown or gray. The Grand Order Zenith um, is basically, you know, they accept all races and whatnot as long as you can fly. So I would imagine Iron Man would be in that group, and uh, Doctor Strange would be in that group, poten potentially, Superman, a bunch of different um, characters. And finally, we have, or uh, finally for tonight anyway, we have the Brotherhood of Wayfinders. So this is an extremely little known group and it's very secretive and they only have one goal and that is to find a way to defeat Ishtar. This group is founded on the writings in the book of Cronel, which I will talk about more later. And um Cronel was the most powerful wizard to ever inhabit the Ether Realm. Ages ago, when Cronel rose up and attempted to defeat Ishtar, he compiled a journal of his mystical findings in his search to shed Ishtar's shackles. As it is well known and we will cover later, Cronell's epic battle didn't end well, and his journal was destroyed. The Brotherhood of Wayfinders is in possession of what is left of his book, but with only portions of it intact. They infiltrate all levels of society in the Aether Realm in an attempt to gather all of the pages and free everyone from this terrible place. It is a wonder that Ishtar allows them to exist, but some say Cronell's power still protects his followers to this day, and members of this group could be anywhere in the realm if you can identify them. So, um, this is a secret, like, Illuminati-ish kind of thing, but they're actually good guys, and you're, you know, you might find a friend that you really like in this realm, and this really good guy, and blah blah blah, but secretly, he's actually a Brotherhood of the Wayfinders, and once they gather up all of the pages of this book, they feel like they can finish his work, because he was almost done with a way out of here when Ishtar attacked. And, uh, well, I'll cover what happened to him later on. But anyway, that's it for this week. And uh, next week, we have a couple more factions that we can talk about, major factions. And there's probably hundreds or thousands of tiny factions, little warbands and, and um, plunderbuns, as they're called. But um, these are just the major power players. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time.